morning. Got to put these on. So um, today's reading. Today's reading is from John chapter one. Verses uh, 1 through 2, and then from 11 to 18, taken from the New International Version. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and 11 through to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh... And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. There ends the reading. Good morning, church. Good to see everybody. I hope, um, hope everyone enjoyed a little extra time at home this morning. Uh, if your family is not nearby during the holiday season, I hope you're able to connect, them, connect with them later on in some way. And uh, you know what? It's certainly important to recognize as well this morning that not everybody has family uh, close by or they're not able to take the same opportunities to be with the people that they might wish to be with this time of year. And so for for those of you who are experiencing the holidays, um, maybe a little differently than the quote unquote sort of happy celebratory way, my heart goes out to you as well. And I hope that you can find, you know, this sense of love uh and joy being connected with our church family this morning. This time of year can certainly be full of mixed emotions. You know, the joy of seeing more people comes along with the stress of seeing more people. Uh, The joy of eating delicious food comes along with the stress of eating delicious food, right? Uh, The joy of exchanging gifts comes along with the stress of exchanging gifts in some cases, especially the financial stress. You know, I was curious about that. So I looked up some stats from the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. 
They did their annual holiday spending survey again this year, and they released the results in November. They asked people, what do you plan to spend on gifts this holiday season? And according to this study, uh, this year the average Canadian planned to spend, get this, $589 on holiday gifts. That's a big number. <laughs> you know, and I think it's proof that holiday gift giving is just a really uh, major part of our culture. And honestly, for many people, it's exhausting. Uh, it's a lot. This morning, we're going to talk a lot more about gifts. Uh, but don't worry, it's not the expensive kind that will cause you any stress. Uh, we've, uh, we've arrived at our last Sunday of, of 2022. And that means we're wrapping up our year-long series on relationships. And at the same time, we're also wrapping up our mini, our mini-series that we're doing on how God seeks a relationship with us. And today we're going to be focusing on the gift of His presence among us through Jesus Christ. And I hope we're going to see this morning how the gift of His presence with us here on earth as Emmanuel, you know, God with us, is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to His people. So the first thing I want to touch on is what His presence with us really means. And then we can talk about what His presence with us accomplished. If you'd like to keep the structure of the lesson in your mind, maybe it will help to remember this little rhyme. Jesus came as God in flesh, and Jesus came to give us God's best. Let's start with how Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. The Apostle Paul, in the reading that we just heard, uh, describes this incredible concept of the Word in the beginning of his gospel. And the Word is a reference to Jesus, of course. But the way that John describes this Word tells us so much about who Jesus was. The first verse in John starts with the same three words that the first verse in the beginning of the Bible starts with. And this is no coincidence. John does this intentionally to draw our minds back to the creation account from Genesis. And then he infuses that concept of the word into this well-known account. We learn that God the Son was already eternally existing in the beginning. You know, yes, Jesus was, uh, you know, hailing from Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, lying in a manger. But make no mistake, this was not the beginning of his existence. He has always existed. John says that um, he was with God in the beginning. You know, this means that he's distinct uh, from the Father and the Spirit. He's his own person but yet John also says that he was God, meaning that he is also equally God with the Father and the Spirit. I mean, this concept is probably beyond what our minds can fully comprehend, but it's important still for us that we understand that the Word who became flesh and dwelt among people is the eternal God of the universe. It's amazing. And if this concept wasn't already mind-blowing enough, John goes on in verse 14 to introduce us to another incredible idea. He says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
You know, the word, this eternal God of the universe who created everything, who has always been, who always will be, that God, he stepped into the temple of a human body and came to live with people. (laughs) I mean, this is just an incredible concept. He wasn't just a man. He he wasn't a prophet or or a good teacher. He wasn't an angel created by God. He is God. He is God. And he came in the flesh to dwell among his people as a person. I mean, this is just so incredible to think about. And you can tell that John is amazed over this, you know, especially because he got to see it with his own eyes. You know, in First John, he talks about this too. He got to touch it with his own, he got to touch Jesus with his own hands and listen to him. This is a first-hand account. John saw his glory. What an amazing experience this must have been for him. And it's also amazing for us too because what he witnessed and what he wrote about teaches us something that is so important. You know, we've been talking, especially in December, about how God pursues a relationship with human beings. The fact that God went to such great lengths Uh, to be with his people and live among his people. It's an incredible testimony of just how much God really does want a relationship with you and me. He wants a relationship with us. Jesus came as God in flesh, and Jesus came to give God's best. And I want to spend the rest of our time today focused on this second part, uh, on how Jesus how Jesus brought God's best. Because He really did bring the most amazing gifts to us by coming in the flesh. We talked about how gift-giving is a big part of our culture, but no one can outgive God. In chapter 16, uh, it captures this, this, this sort of concept really well, I think. It says, uh, John says that from His fullness... We have received grace upon grace. God is like this unending source of blessings and he gives them to his people. And through the presence of Jesus, he just keeps on giving us one gift after another, after another. But today I want to just highlight three of these gifts as we talk about opening presents. Three of the presents that Jesus gave to us when he came to be present with us. And I brought them with me. I thought this would be a little more of a fun way to do it. So here they are, just to heighten the anticipation, (laughs) keep everyone awake, maybe. Um, So we have three gifts to open this morning. I hope that by the time we're finished our, our lesson and our time together, I hope by the time we're finished opening these gifts, we can all appreciate how incredible the gift of God's presence with us through Jesus Christ really is. So let's start with the first one. Uh, I'll give you a hint because we already saw it in our reading. Here we go. Let me open it. The first gift is the gift of grace. Can everybody read that? I hope I made the font big enough. Okay, grace. It's the first amazing gift that Jesus brings to us. Now, the gift of grace is really interesting. You know, we often think about a gift as something that we receive from someone, right? But in many ways, the gift of grace is a gift because of what Jesus takes away from us. Have you ever considered 
uh, a gift, you know, so, uh, have you ever considered it to be a gift when someone takes away something from you? There's a lot of students here. <laughs> maybe you'll, you'll appreciate this. You know, uh, you maybe just finished up another school term. I, I did too. Uh, and one thing that happened to me a, a couple weeks ago is that one of my instructors reached out to me and just gave me a four-day extension on my research paper. I, I didn't even ask him for it. You know, but you could say he took something away from me. He took away my deadline. And that was definitely a tremendous gift because I needed the extra time. You know, the gift of grace, I think, is in some ways it's something like that too. Check out what Paul, the Apostle Paul says about it in 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, he says, sorry, one second. Uh, oh, uh, he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Many of us will recognize where this verse comes from. The Apostle Paul, he was dealing with something in his life that he called a thorn in his flesh. We don't really know what it was, but it was something that he felt that was hindering him from his ability to serve God. And he asked God on three different occasions, you know, to take it away from him, this thorn in his flesh. But God responded with these words, my grace is sufficient for you. And that should cause us to realize something very important. You know, Paul thought he could be better. He wanted God to take this thing away from him, whatever it was, that was preventing him from being as good as he felt that he could be. Seems pretty reasonable, right? But it's amazing that God says no. Instead, he says, my grace will cover for whatever you're lacking. He wanted Paul to realize that it wasn't about how awesome Paul was, really. It was more about how amazing it was that God could continue to use Paul despite the fact that he had these weaknesses and these imperfections. This is the gift of grace that Jesus brings to us. Through Jesus, it's no longer about us being good enough to earn our own righteousness. The gift of grace is about His righteousness instead. We rely on His righteousness instead of our own. And that's a beautiful thing. When we surrender our lives to Him, when we trade our lives for His life, we can be saved by His righteousness instead of ours. And of course, someone's going to ask, you know, is it, does that... Does that mean that you're saying what I, what I do doesn't matter? I can just live however I want and the righteousness of Jesus has, has just got me covered? You know, but really that's the wrong question to be asking. If you're looking for a, an asterisk or a, a loophole, then you've misunderstood what Jesus came to do, I think. Paul also addressed this idea in Romans 6 and verse 1 and 2. He said, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? Paul points out that if we're asking the question, you know, how much sin can I still get away with, then we've sort of missed the point of what it means to live under grace. By God's grace, Jesus came to give us a better way to live. That's the gift. Taking this amazing gift of a new life in Christ and then just trying to see how much of our old life we can still introduce into that is like 
taking your life savings and seeing how close you can push it to a fire without it actually starting fire. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. The new life that we have is a gift of grace, and we should nourish it and cherish it. We should value it, value this new life. When we do, not only will He transform us, but we will actually get to be a part of what God is doing to give new life to every other person in this world as well. That's a, that's a totally amazing transformation, a new direction for us. And maybe it's such a new direction and such a transformation that in some ways it might feel overwhelming. It might feel impossible even. But this is exactly why we needed His grace. To illustrate this, I'd like to just do a quick poll. Uh, let's pretend that one day, you know, you're driving down the road in the mountains maybe, and you come up to this rock, a rock wall like the one pictured here. You know, it's the sheer face, really vertical, like a hundred feet up. But you learn something. You learn that there is a prize of $50,000 uh, if you can climb up to the top all on your own. But here's the catch. You have to be willing to do it by yourself. With no ropes, no special gear, nothing. Just you in the mountain, free climbing hundreds of feet to the top. Would you be willing to climb it? Raise your hand. Knowing that one wrong move would let you fall to your death. No hands up. No risk takers here. Alright, so now what if it was the exact same situation, but this time... You were allowed to use all the proper gear, you know, a safety harness, a safety rope. You even got a spotter, an experienced spotter to help you navigate your way up the hill. Would you, would you do it then? $50,000. Okay, there's more hands up. Not all the hands up, but that, that makes sense. I see a few more hands up and, and that makes sense. I know, you know, people are like this, right? I mean, more people are going to be willing to try if there's sort of a safety net, so to speak. They've got the rope. They've got someone helping them. They've got the proper gear. You know that you still might slip and fall while you're climbing, but it's different because there's a rope now. The rope will catch you and you'll be okay. We're more willing to take on a task, even a daunting task like climbing a huge rock face, if we know that we have a safety net there to catch us. You know, the assurance that you're still going to be okay if you slip is what actually propels you to do something outside your comfort zone that you might not otherwise do. And I want us to consider this morning how the gift of grace is something like this too. Jesus takes away the requirement for us to be perfect. If you tried to climb that wall without any safety equipment or help, it would be totally up to you to be perfect not make a single mistake or else you'll probably die. And so you know what? Most people, in fact everybody here, would just freeze up and not try to do it at all because it's not worth it. But when it comes to our faith, that might be the equivalent of us never stepping out of our comfort zone to do something for God that we're afraid of doing because we might fail or we might disappoint Him or we might not be good enough. If we have to be perfect, then maybe it's better if we just don't even try because we know that we can't do it perfectly. But God's grace, like that safety rope, brings us a sort of confidence that we can actually step out in faith, even if we're not perfect, because God has us. 
And God has given us some pretty daunting mountains to climb, hasn't he? He's called us to become like Jesus himself. I mean, that's quite a big task. He's called us to uh, make disciples of all the nations. That's not a small feat either. And maybe some of us look at these metaphorical mountains and we think, man, that's impossible. I don't even think I know where to start. I'm not ready. I'll never be able to be good enough. I'm going to make a mistake. And so then we just don't try. But if we have that attitude, maybe it's because we haven't really opened the gift of God's grace for ourselves. Maybe we're still thinking that it's all up to us to earn our own way, to be perfect. But I'm here to tell you that it's not. His grace is a gift that allows us to rely on Him. And because of that, the gift of grace should motivate us, actually, to step out in courage and faith for God. Going back to 2 Corinthians again, we can see that the Apostle Paul got this concept. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. To use our metaphor, you know, when he realized that he needed the rope of God's grace to help him accomplish the mission that God had given him, he began to rely on that rope. And guess what? He found out that he had more strength to keep going when he did that. How about you? How about me? Are you relying on God's grace in your life today? Or are you trying to do it all on your own? Are you sitting on the sidelines maybe because you're afraid of falling? If that's you, I hope you'll consider opening the gift of God's grace for yourself. Okay, that was a good gift. Let's unwrap the second one though and see what else we have. All right, the next one is this. Same verse, verse 14, the gift of truth. The next gift of presence that Jesus brought us. The gift of the, the Bible has a lot to say about truth, and Jesus had a lot to say about truth too. Um, one of the most famous statements he made is found in John 8. Uh, just later on in John, in verse 31, he said, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the gift of truth sets us free from something, but what does it actually set us free from? I want you to go through another mental exercise with me. Imagine for a minute that you're in like a deep, dark cave, a pit, uh, with a whole bunch of other people, and no one really knows the way out. But yet everybody in the pit knows that they need to get out of there because if they don't, they're going to eventually die. So people start looking for a way out. Some people start digging holes over here. Some people try clearing some rocks over there. And some people start searching around in the back of the cave and the crevasses to see if they can find a way out. And everybody is just constantly yelling all the time, all around you, come and join us. We found the way out. But as you look at them and as you observe what's going on, you find out and you realize that even though they're so, so busy with what they're doing, they're not really going anywhere. They're not really making any progress at all. Maybe that's a bit of an eerie image, but I think um, it can represent our life in this world sometimes. 
I think most of us, most people realize that we are made for something that extends beyond just the things of this world, the pit that we live in, if you like. And so people naturally try to find meaning in different areas. Someone will say, it's all about the career. Chase the best career you can get with us. Or someone else will say, it's all about entertainment. You know, that's where it's at. You need to come with us, pursue entertainment. We found it. And another group will say, no, we found it. It, It's about comfort. That's where you need to go. Find comfort. But then we hear another voice. It says, follow me and I will make you into something new. I made you and I know what you need. There's no life in any of these other things. Follow me instead and I'll show you the way to the abundant life that I want to give you and set you free set you free from chasing dead ends. I don't know if you can get anything out of that, resonate with that image of the pit, but for me, I think it it puts into perspective uh, the value of this gift, that this gift of truth that Jesus has given to us. You know, the Bible sort of talks about a similar image. In Psalms 40, the writer says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me, out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. Amen? The psalmist described his situation in life as being, you know, like being stuck in a slimy pit, way down in the muck and the mire where he felt trapped. But God heard his cry and drew him up out of the mud and put his feet on solid rock. That's exactly what Jesus, the rock of ages, does for you and me. He came to show us the truth about life, to show us a path of self-sacrificing love for others, to show us the true meaning and the true riches that are found only in His kingdom. And He has shown us the way back to the Father. It's a path that we lost way back at the Garden of Eden. As He says in John 14:6, I am the way. And the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How valuable is this gift of truth? I mean, can we even put it into words? Jesus is the perfect example of truth. And he came to make truth known to us in a way that we can actually understand. And we have an example in him to follow. What an amazing gift that is. Okay, so we've got, to, we've got to open up this last gift here. The final presence that uh, Jesus brought to us through his presence, uh, it's actually found here in John 11. I want to highlight this before we open it. Uh, it says in, sorry, John 1, but verse 11, it says that he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. John says that Jesus came to his own people bearing these incredible gifts, right? We already talked about grace and truth, but yet many did not receive him. Many did not accept or even care to accept what he was offering. But thankfully, some did. And those who have accepted the gift 
that the gifts that he's offered. And to those who will accept them today, Jesus has another gift to offer as well. Let's unwrap this last one and, and see what it is. The last gift is adoption. Adoption. The final gift is perhaps the, the best gift is all, of all, in my opinion. Um, through Jesus, God came to be present with us so that we could be present with Him as His child forever. Forever. He offers us the right, He calls it the right, to be a child of God. And this is an absolute gift. And John goes to great lengths uh, to clearly describe that here. You cannot become a child of God based on your bloodline. You cannot become a child of God based on some exercise of human will or human effort. Adoption is a gift that you receive from God. But having said this, I think we know this, right? You won't force it on anyone. Every person needs to make that choice about whether they are going to receive that gift or not. By believing in His name. Believing in His name is very important. And I want to point something out about that important concept. You know, believing in His name. We need to realize that belief in this concept, uh, in this context means a lot more than just sort of like acknowledging a fact. You know, like, like it's daytime right now. Like it's more than that. Real belief means acting on what you know to be true. There's a great example of this in Mark chapter 2. You might, re- you might remember this story of when there's this paralyzed man who Jesus healed in Mark chapter 2. Leading up to the healing, the paralyzed man's friends, they did this amazing thing for him. You know, because of the paralyzed man's condition, he was laying on a mat. He couldn't really move, right? So his friends would carry him around on that mat. And his friends wanted to get him close to Jesus, but the house where he was teaching, and it was so full of people that they couldn't even get through the door. But they're smart people. They climbed up on the roof of the house. You remember this, right? They tore a hole in the roof and they lowered the paralyzed man down to Jesus so that he could heal him. And I love what Jesus says, uh, and it's recorded in in verse 5 of chapter 2 of Mark. It says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. It says that he saw their faith. How do you see faith? How do you see belief? I mean, clearly Jesus understood their actions, right, as being a proof of their faith. Being a proof that they believed in who he was and what he could actually do. And this is the kind of belief that I want to submit that God is looking for from all of us. Going back to our text again, verse 11 says that many people uh, did not believe or did not receive Jesus. You know, it's not that they didn't think that his miracles were amazing. You know, they didn't think they were fake miracles. They didn't think that his message was not from God. But their lack of belief was because they didn't act on what they learned or what they knew to be true. Many of them didn't allow God's grace and God's truth to change their lives. 
But I like this passage because it says that some of them did. They believed in the gift of grace and it liberated them from their comfort zones. They believed in the truth that he offered and and they began to follow his path for their lives. And when they did, they experienced, they really experienced this gift of adoption. This gift of being a child of God. Being born again with as a new creation, with a new direction, a new purpose, and a new eternal destination. This is the gift of adoption that Jesus came to give all of us as well. I hope we've seen today that uh, Jesus came as God in flesh and Jesus truly did come to give God's best. The holiday season is a crazy, busy season and we're often wrapped up in what we have to do or where we have to go or the gifts we have to buy. But in all of this, my hope and prayer for all of us is that we would not lose sight of the incredible true present that we have from God being present with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you've already followed Jesus, or if you're already following Jesus, I hope that you've been encouraged this morning to appreciate once again these incredible gifts of God's grace and His truth and the fact that He has made you a child of His for eternity. And maybe if you've not made that choice yet, to trust and follow Jesus by turning away from your old ways of life and starting a new life with Him in the waters of baptism, please know that today is the day that you can open these gifts for yourself. They can be yours. He's waiting and He's ready to give them to you today. If you would only receive them and believe in His name. As always, I'm here to talk with anybody who wants to go further or needs help with any of this. Thank you so much for your time this morning.